Scripture for you, and it's taken from James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Just two verses for you this morning. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You've probably figured it out by now, but Pastor Jeff is away. Um, He is actually in California, which is where he grew up and is from, and he's visiting his dad, who's getting older and, and wanted to have some time with him. So I would ask that you would pray for uh, Pastor Jeff and Gala, and we look forward to having them back soon. Um, I have been so enjoying going through this book, really just to reinforce what it means to be a believer that we are genuine about our faith, that we are genuine to the world, that we are genuine with each other. And James has been talking about so many different things that have to do about the practical nature of our lives and how it comes across to people, including things like speech, which is something that we take for granted, right? We just kind of assume, oh, people know me and, and it's fine, I can do or say whatever I want, there's grace, all that kind of things. But the Lord actually holds us to a standard. And James, the Apostle James, is holding us to a standard and saying, when the Spirit of God is truly in you, when you are truly a Christian, when you are truly a believer who loves Jesus, you will have a marked life. It changed life. And so we have been talking in the last few weeks about the evil of worldliness. Do you remember? Just even the last week, um, the last couple of weeks, talking about worldliness and how worldliness is encroaching into our hearts because we want to be like the world. We want the self-centered life. We want to be the middle of things. We want stuff. We want to talk about us. We want to be number one, right? That's why you hear babies yelling and screaming in grocery stores. Because they're saying, I want to be God. I want to be king. You do what I say. So you see, it's built into us. And there's a self-centeredness and a lack of humility that James is going to point out to us through our sin tendencies of speech. And that's what we're talking about today. Just two verses, isn't it? But it's about judging. That's a hard topic, isn't it? Because we all do that. Because we're all self-centered to some extent. We all think about ourselves first. And here's where it struck me particularly hard this week. I realize I'm not as hard as on myself as I am on everybody else. I let myself have a pass most of the time. But I'll find every little thing I can about you. Or someone I have something against. Or someone I don't like. I see so much in everyone else, but I don't necessarily see that in me. Why is that? 
because of worldliness. It's because of evil. It's because we're so self-centered. And so, um, James right here in verses 11 and 12 begins by saying, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And we're going to come and unfold this, these two verses. But first, I do want to, I want to pray and ask the Lord to strengthen us for the challenging words that James has and, and we'll dive in. Would you pray with me? Lord, I do thank you for your holy word, which is the standard. You are our standard. Your moral demands of us, your desire for our hearts to take total occupation of our hearts is what we are thinking and talking about and wanting. Lord, I pray that You will forgive us of our sins. Help the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and our lives. Bring it out to light so that we may repent of it and turn to Jesus who will save and forgive us if we trust Him. Lord, my prayer for my own heart and even my own little ones here is that You would give us eyes to see Him better, even a little more today. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I heard of some errand boys in London. This story came from Pastor Donald Gray Barnhouse, who said some years ago, musicians noted that some errand boys, that there were some errand boys in a certain part of London who all whistled out of tune as they went about their work. Have you ever heard about this? All in unison, they whistled out of tune. It was talked about, and someone suggested that it was because the bells of Westminster were slightly out of tune. Something had gone wrong with the chimes, and they were discordant. Alex, you're going to have to explain to me what that means. But the boys did not know there was anything wrong with the peals that came from them, and quite unconsciously, they had copied their pitch. All of them! We're singing out of tune because they were following the bells that were out of tune. And so we tend to be people who copy the people with whom we are around. And we borrow thoughts from the books that we read and the programs to which we listen almost without knowing it. And God has given us His Word. And that has the absolute right pitch of life and living. And if we learn to sing by that, we will easily detect the false in all the music that we're listening to around us. Have you thought about that? That you begin to sound like the world. That you begin to talk like the world without even realizing it. How about this? I read these sort of diagnostic questions. This is uh, an unknown author who wrote this, but it made me think, and I'm going to share this with you too, ask yourself this question, what disturbs you more? The the soul that is lost in hell or the scratch on your new car? You're missing the worship service or missing a day's work? A sermon that goes an extra ten minutes or lunch a half hour late? Don't answer that. At least not out loud. Your Bible unread or your newspaper unread? Missing a good Bible study that's going on around you or missing your favorite thing on screen? 
The millions who do not know Christ or your inability to keep up with your neighbors on stuff and status. Your tithes decreasing or your income decreasing. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? When we begin to chuckle at those and you begin to think there's some truth to some of that because that's a revelation of kind of where we're at in our hearts. George Gallup, famous pollster, was addressing a national seminar of Southern uh, Baptist leaders one time at a conference and he said this, we find there is very little difference in ethical behavior between churchgoers and those who are not active at all religiously. The levels of lying, cheating, and stealing are remarkably similar in both groups. Eight out of ten Americans consider themselves Christians. This is dated a bit, but still, think about that. But only about half of them could even identify the person who gave the Sermon on the Mount. And fewer still could recall the five of the Ten Commandments. Only two in ten said, said they would be willing to suffer for their faith at all or have any discomfort. Do you remember all the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Even if it's not in order? I know you know who gave the Sermon on the Mount. We just went through that, right? But listen, you know why I'm bringing that up somewhat tongue-in-cheek? Because everyone knows the person behind Tesla and Twitter. But they may not know who gave the Sermon on the Mount. We are living in a world that is vying for our hearts, our attention. And um, I have two points for you today. And the two main points under which there will be some sub-points are this, judging wrongly, having an ungodly, judgmental spirit. And that is something we all need to hear because we, as I said, do that. We size up everyone around us, right? Even if it's just in our hearts. They're not as good as me. They're not as this as me. They're not as important as me. Or why are they here? Or I shouldn't do this with them, right? We size people up, judging badly, judging wrongly. The second is the good, true, and rightful judge. And we'll see that in verse 12. So let me begin. Um, and let me say this. I, I read for you the verses, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. So let me begin just with verse 11 first. We are, James tells us, to be so careful in our speech that we do not speak badly about one another, especially within the household of faith. That's what James is saying. I'll unfold this a bit more. But let me bring you to something very important that I would like you to hear. You know the word for the evil one, devil, right? Devil comes from the Greek word diabolos. And the Hebrew is the word Satan. And do you know what the real meaning behind the word or name devil is? Slanderer. I don't know if you knew that. That the real and true meaning behind the word name devil is slanderer, accuser. Do you know what slandering is? Slandering is 
speaking ill about another person, ruining their reputation, so almost to build yourself up and to make yourself feel better. And that's what Satan is. He is an accuser, and his, in the truest sense, he is diabolos, slanderer. And we remember Jesus' own words. We hear Jesus' own words from Matthew 7-1 that says this, Do not judge lest you be judged. And it's a challenging word for us. So I want you to think about the things that you say out loud or the things that you say in your mind so that no one else can hear you, but you're still saying them because it's coming from your heart. First, I do want to say what this doesn't mean. Okay? Because many people misinterpret Jesus' words as well as James' words here to think that you can't say anything about anybody at any time. That is not accurate. That is not right. He doesn't mean that believers are not to exercise discretion or discerning judgment about the things that they hear other people are saying and doing. He doesn't mean that we are not to carefully consider or evaluate a person or that person's actions biblically. He doesn't mean that we're to never evaluate anyone or their actions from a godly point of view, biblical point of view. Nor does He even mean that we are never to say anything oppositional or anything negative about another person. If He meant those things, it's interesting that James would have already violated those things in this book. James has made judgments, hasn't he? Even in speaking to our lives practically. He's had some hard things to say about people who claim to have faith but don't have actions that don't seem to show it in their own life. And even in this very passage, if you look at the second part of verse 11, James passes a judgment on people who judge. Isn't that true? And so he's willing to exercise discretion and make discerning evaluations. So what does it mean then? So listen, from a godly biblical standpoint, we are allowed to look at the world around us and people around us and say, that's wisdom from hell. That's not true wisdom. That's not godly wisdom. That's wrong. That's the world talking. That's evil talking. I think there is a call for godly discernment and godly judgment. You should speak the truth in love, whatever needs to be said. But we are allowed that. James himself does that. Jesus himself does that. So what does James mean when he says, do not speak against one another? Well, he's really talking about any kind of speech that tears down a fellow believer or a neighbor. I want you to think about that. Within the household of faith, should we not be the caretakers of one another and the lovers of one another as Christ's body? And yet... We slander one another. We say opinionated, judgmental comments about one another. And that's what James is getting at here. It's actually, you know, when you look at the word judging, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. We're going to come to that in a moment. But listen, that word judging is really not 
just discerning. It's condemning. Why are you condemning one another as if you're in charge? Why are you spiritually condemning, eternally condemning, when we damn people or when we say things like that, when we swear? All those things are are things that James wants us to take notice of. Listen to the early translation of William Tyndale who created the earliest English Bible. His translation of this gives us a good look into what may be accurate about this statement. He calls it backbiting. Do you know what backbiting is? Have you heard that word? Backbiting? It actually means malicious talk about someone who is not present. Malicious talk about someone who is not present. Now that's not what our English Bible says, but Tyndale has a good point there. People who talk about those fellow Christians who are not in our presence by tearing them down and builds ourselves up at their expense. Wow. So, what do we do? How do we keep this in check, this sin of speech, when we begin to look at others and judge them and condemn them in our hearts and minds and backbite against them. We are no different than Isaiah who says in Isaiah 6-5, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. So first you need to admit it. You need to say, this is true of me, I do this. Even if I don't say it out loud, I think it. And I could say it. I probably say it in my dreams. How do we check it? How do we keep it from, from going into areas of sin? Because we all struggle with that. Well, James gives us in this short passage five thoughts on how to kind of keep it in check. Five ideas. Five thoughts. And so... I'd like to go through them fairly quickly and then allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. I do need to go through them quickly. This is, this is two sermons in itself because there's so much in the idea of judging, condemning through our words. And he offers us this. Now let's keep a look at it. Let's have a look at it. The first is that in the first phrase of verse 11, James says, in order to Keep ourselves from this kind of destructive speech. Remember against whom you are speaking. Who is it that you're about to tear down? Listen to the language James uses. Do not speak against one another, brothers. You are Christians. You are believers. Christian believers, take heed. Remember against or about whom you are speaking, talking negatively. You're speaking about your fellow Christians. What a horrible thing that we would do to those who are bought by the blood of Jesus, that we are doing that to one another. We are just like the world. We're no different, right? And James is really challenging us that we should not forget that we are believers, because that's why he says, brothers... But then we do that to fellow brothers and sisters. How are you with brothers and sisters around you? Or really, your neighbors. 
Not just those of the household of faith, but those who are immediately around you, your neighbors, your co-workers. A young couple moved into a neighborhood. The next morning while they were eating breakfast, the young woman sees her neighbor hanging the wash outside. That laundry isn't very clean, she said. That woman does not know how to wash correctly. Perhaps she needs better laundry soap. Her husband looked on but remained silent. Good thing for a husband to do. (laughs) Every time her neighbor would hang her wash to dry, the young woman would make the same comments, being critical, being judgmental. About one month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice clean wash on the line and said to her husband, Honey, look, she's learned how to wash correctly finally. I wonder who taught her this. And you know what happened. I bet you can figure out what happened. The husband said, I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows, honey. Man, we are so quick, isn't it? To condemn and to judge. Just by looking out the window at the people around us. And then we begin to think they have bad soap. Or bad something else. This is us. Remember about against whom you are speaking. James is reminding us and pointing out that Christian brothers and sisters ought not to be hurting brothers and sisters and our neighbors. We're supposed to be cultivating relationships, building relationships, strengthening relationships. Can you imagine what it does to those neighboring relationships? when they begin to hear that you've been talking about them like that, we ought to be building up, not tearing down such valuable relationships within the household of God and even our neighbors around us. What a witness. What an example. What a witness about the church. Please consider that. Secondly, he says in verse 11, remember against what you are speaking against. Against what you are speaking. James was speaking to a people who had, remember he's talking to churches. By the way, these are part of the general epistles, meaning it wasn't to just one church, but many probably different churches who were going to get this letter. But James is speaking to believers, Jews, maybe non-Jews. And he is speaking to believers. And this is speaking to us right now through the Spirit. These people whom James was writing to had a high view of God's Word. And listen to this. A high view of God's law. Especially the Jewish believers. They were all about keeping and obeying God's law. And so, when he says, when you speak against a brother, you're actually speaking against God's law. It's not just your brother or sister's reputation that you're hurting, damaging, breaking. It's God's law that you're breaking. Do you hear me? You're actually damaging and going against the law of God when you're judging, condemning one another this way. He who speaks against a brother or condemns his brother, that's my word, speaks against the law and judges or condemns the law. What do you think about that? Not so simple anymore, is it? When you're passing that judgment, passing that comment, making that opinion out loud to your little group of friends, even about those who are in the church, 
backbiting, speaking about people who aren't there, we're actually speaking against the very law of God which we claim to be holy. Thirdly, he says, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And so he's saying to remember that you are actually deeming deficient the law of God when you speak against your brother and your sister or your neighbors. You know what you're saying? God's law is not right. I'm right. I get a pass on this one. Oh, that was for years ago. It's not for now. God's word, God's law is outdated. I know more. My people know more. My family knows more. My community knows more. I'm going to do that thing anyway, even though God's law tells me not to speak about a brother or sister or neighbor that way. I'm going to do it anyway because God's law is wrong. You know what you're actually doing? Okay, I want you to listen because this hurts. You're making yourself the judge and putting yourself above God's law. I'm above it. I'm above God's law. That's not for me. That's for everybody else. You're putting yourself above God's law. I want you to listen to this. You know, I've often talked about John Stott. John Stott was a great evangelical theologian. He's passed away now. One of our family friends actually took care of John. Uncle John, as they all used to call him at All Souls in Langham Place in England. John Stott says this, we need to repent. Please hear this, okay? In authentic Christianity, John Stott Stott noted, we need to repent of the haughty way in which we sometimes stand in judgment upon God's law, His Scriptures, and must learn to sit humbly under its judgments instead. If we come to Scripture with our minds made up, expecting to hear from it only an echo of our own thoughts, and never the thunderclap of God's thoughts, then indeed He will not speak to us and we shall only be confirmed in our own prejudices. We must allow the Word of God to confront us, to disturb us and our security, to undermine our complacency and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. Isn't that good? If you come with your minds already made up and saying, ah, that doesn't apply to me, that's outdated. You are already putting yourself above the law of God and putting your own words and your own standards in, pl- in place of God's word. Fourthly, take heed who we are claiming to be and who we are actually displacing. In verse 12, it says that we need to remember who we are claiming to be and who we are claiming to displace because there is only one lawgiver and judge and the one who is able to save and destroy. God Himself is the judge. That's verse 12. Very clear in my Bible, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy. By the way, I've got to read this verse for you. Matthew 10.28 Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Do you know what you're doing? When we condemn one another, when we judge one another in this way with our speech, callously, so loosely, we're displacing God as the one true judge. As the only judge. He is the only one who is able to, I love the way Matthew puts it, destroy and save. Only He can destroy and save. Can you? Can you destroy a soul? Can you save a soul? Then what do we think we're doing when we're condemning one another, brothers and sisters and our neighbors? You're displacing God. You guys know this is a momentous... No, I'm going to tell you, this is a momentous day. I get to use a Babe Ruth illustration in a sermon. Listen to this, okay? An umpire named Babe Pinelli once called Babe Ruth out on strikes. When the crowd booed with sharp disapproval at the call, the legendary Babe Ruth turned to the umpire with disdain and said, there's 40,000 people here who know that the last pitch was a ball. Suspecting that the umpire would erupt with anger, the coaches and players braced themselves for Ruth's ejection. However, the cool-headed Babe Pinelli, the umpire, replied, maybe so, Babe, but mine is the only opinion that counts. Believers need to realize that God's judgment is the only one that counts and resist the temptation to argue. God's opinion is the only one that matters. You know, when I watch baseball, I get so ticked when they don't call a strike. That was a strike. And I realize I'm not in charge. That ump is in charge. He makes the call. God alone is the judge. He is the only law giver. So take heed who we are claiming to be in displace. God Himself, the one true judge and lawgiver. Let me go to point number five. So, point number five is this. James says in verse 12, remember who you are. And he asks this question, who are you? <laughs> Who are you? Who do you think you are? Isn't that how it says it? But who are you to judge your neighbor? Friends, let me ask you this, okay? Don't forget who you are. We are sinners saved by grace, every single one of us. Every single one of us. We are sinners Saved by grace. I, I've told you this many time and time again. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. Each and every one of us is saved by the grace and mercy of Christ alone and nothing else. No spiritual resume. No time clocked at spiritual or church activities. It is all by the utter mercy and grace of God because we are broken. Our hearts are deceptive. We are evil. We are sinners only deserving God's wrath, but because of Christ, we have His mercy. And so the question that I have to ask you in closing is this. Where's the grace of godly humility in your life? Where's the humility? Who are you? Who am I? To judge 
our fellow brothers and sisters and our neighbors in this way? Where is the grace of godly humility in your life? A very, very important question. We should become humble. Humility, listen, humility is a prime Christian quality and sign of genuine faith in the believer's life. The great writer F.B. Meyer says this, you know, when we judge people and condemn them, you have to remember, you have no idea what they've been through. You have no idea the struggles they've been through or what you're saying about them if it's true. Also, you don't know what they've tried to get out of that and are still struggling. Thirdly, you don't even know what you would do if you were in their place. We need to be mindful and, and clothe ourselves with humility. Listen, when we humble ourselves, lay aside moral pride and accomplishments and cast ourselves on Jesus alone in faith and then God will exalt us. Then we truly become His children, loved, accepted, reconciled to the Father and free. And as we repent of our prideful actions of speech from our worldly hearts, gospel-driven humility will be manifested in us. We will then leave judgment to the true judge and only He can save. I'm going to close there. I know I could say more and you could probably challenge yourselves with more, but listen, who are you? Be mindful of who you are and who God is. We are at His mercy because of the cross. Praise be to God. May we be clothed instead of with words that tear down, with words that build up so that we can be the church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the challenging words from the Apostle James, Lord, and Jesus' own words. Lord, I pray that we would not be condemners, and scorn the law of love that tells us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, Jesus taught. Lord, may we do that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.